Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Coming up on the programme today, primary school children playing games that are marked as over 18 and they are aimed at an over 18 market. They're for adults only because they've got some very violent content. I'm also told, because I have to hand up, I've never played any of these games, but they've got some very sexual content uh, as well. And there is a staggering number of children in Ireland having access to these games and playing these games. Now, I'm not always saying the case that they go out themselves. They're obviously not going out themselves and buying the game. But the game could be in the house. It could belong to an older sibling, could belong to one of the parents. And the children have this been quite um, an intensive survey, extensive rather than intensive, extensive survey carried out amongst primary school children asking them, had they ever played this game, whatever, you know. And children of a young age are not able to lie. So they were all owning up to, but it was like a third of eight-year-olds have admitted to playing games that are aimed at over 18s. So you've got to be, well, you've got to be careful on two fronts. You've got to be careful when you're buying these games because obviously as an adult, when you go in, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the shop is and pointing out to everybody who buys one of these games that they're over 18. I don't know what the warning labels are like on these games. How many parents would actually really scrutinise the, the back or the cover of these games to see are they suitable for your child or not? If you've got a child looking for a particular game because everybody else in the class is playing it, you might think nothing of it and you might actually, in all innocence, purchase the game. And with Christmas coming up, a lot of these games will be on the Santa Claus's list. So you do have to be careful. So we're going to chat about that uh, this morning on the programme. We're also looking into water problems for people living in the Ballonhasig area for both residents and businesses. And, you know, it's it's tough enough for residents when you're without water, when you turn on your tap and there's yet another water outage. That That's tough enough. But if you're trying to operate a business, and particularly if you're trying to operate a business that needs water, it must be almost impossible to continue, particularly if you're having a lot of these outages. Whatever about, you know, work needs to be done and you get notification and you're told in advance you're not going to have water on a given day, you can plan for that, you can prepare for that. But when it's down to burst pipes or some other issue in the area, then it starts happening more frequently. And of course, you get no warning. So you never know from one day to the next, if you turn on your tap, if you're going to have water or not. 
it's certainly for residents there's no way to live but as I say almost impossible if you are a business owner so we're going to be looking at that problem uh, today organised begging on our city streets we've been trying to get to this topic all week I'm told definitely we definitely will get to it uh, today because it is an issue that is affecting people it certainly it's affecting businesses because some people if they see somebody begging outside or near a shop and they may feel a little bit intimidated by the person begging it may mean oh, I'll avoid that shop and I'll go somewhere else and obviously that's the shop owner then is going to lose out and then you've got the whole issue of people feeling intimidated to the point that they give money of course it particularly for organised begging I mean somebody who's down and out it is very hard to walk I personally and I think I, I speak for a lot of people it's very hard to walk past somebody who genuinely needs help um, but that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about people who are making a lot of money out of this and it's actually organised now my fear always is whatever about the what could be a perceived poor creator sitting on a piece of cardboard on a freezing cold wet day like today and you sort of tugs at your heartstrings and you give them the money are they actually getting the money are they keeping the money where's that money going is it going higher up the chain and I hate to think of some criminal gang operating these organised street beggars and they're the ones that are benefiting and uh, it would gall me to think any money I would hand over would end up in the wrong hands. So we're going to look at that today. It is Black Friday. And God, weather-wise, it's dreary enough out there to, to call it Black Friday. Black Friday is all relatively new uh, and, uh, here in, in Ireland. I was trying to work out um, when did it actually come in. I mean, it, was, it, it certainly didn't exist in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. I don't think it even existed into the noughties. I think it's something that's sort of come since 2010, 2011 and up. But it is really taking a grip on this country. Because Black Friday, it's a huge shopping day in America. It's the day after. Thanksgiving Day. It's always the Friday after Thanksgiving Day and Thanksgiving Day is always on a Thursday so it's always the day after. People have the day off um, after celebrating Thanksgiving so it's traditionally a big shopping day. Sort of a little bit like our St Stephen's Day. Big, big shopping day and all of the retail companies in the States realised a lot of people around, a lot of people have money in their pocket, want to spend, run up to Christmas. So they started this. Let's put offers in to encourage people to come shop with us. And that's where Black Friday uh, came from. And then somewhere along the line, it's made its way over here to Ireland, to the United Kingdom. Don't know how big it is in Europe, but it certainly is huge uh, here. And I think when it first started, it was more to do with online. It was more to do with encouraging people uh, to go online. But now a lot of the shops and businesses, I mean, I'm just inundated with uh, emails and text messages from anyone I've signed up to offering me Black Friday deals. Local businesses and local shops as well uh, are getting involved. But a lot of the trade will be done on air. But I read, I saw some article during the week which uh, surprised me. The bulk of them, the bulk of the Black Friday deals, while there will be a proportion done online, but the bulk of them will be done in, in shops. So that's that's good That's good to hear. And as I mentioned to Simon earlier on, if all of us, because this Black Friday runs across the weekend going into Cyber Monday, you know, it's a kind of, it's it's more of a weekend thing now than a one day thing. But 
if you are planning on doing some shopping and many people will kick off their Christmas shopping this weekend think of your small independent shops and if we all this year made a conscious effort to switch just one item one item that you know in your heart and soul that you're buying for somebody take for example you're giving Auntie Mary a, a book she wants the latest book that's uh, Alice Taylor's uh, latest book and you've decided yeah that's what I'm going to give this Christmas to Auntie Mary and you're going out to buy it now you've got a number of ways you could go online and, uh, and, and buy it or you could go to one of the large bookstores and buy it or you could go to your independent bookstore and buy the very same book. It will be the very, very same book. But you're putting money into the uh, pockets of an independent retailer who lives in that area and lives in your area and is giving employment uh, in your area as well. And the money then that's made, the profits that are made from that little shop go back into the area. So everybody ultimately uh, benefits. And I do accept that, you know, the offers that are around for Black Friday, if you have to buy a large electrical item, for example, I absolutely understand why people will wait around and will do the deals today. And if you can get a better deal online, I understand why people do it, you know, because people are trying to save money. I, I, I can accept that and we're never going to stop people going online. And I would be hypocritical if I say I don't buy online. Of course I do. But I'm just saying if we all made a conscious effort to transfer some of the money we know we're going to be spending in the run up to Christmas if you just decide okay I am going to buy at least one at least one of my Christmas presents this year instead of going what, online what I was going to do or instead of going and buying in one of the, the larger multinationals I'm going to go and give it to an independent retailer it, we, it's a win-win all round. so just keep that in mind when you're doing your shopping this weekend having said that we know people are going to go online and spend money so we're going to give advice to consumers about shopping online and the do's and the don'ts and what we need to look out for and what we need to be careful of and fraud on your credit cards and your debit cards you need to be so so careful of that and keeping all of that in mind so we'll have consumer advice uh, a little bit later uh, later on Tommy Fleming has recorded a charity single for Boher and it is the old Supertramp song uh, uh, Give a Little and he went out he didn't just record he's, he's, he's a really kind generous sweet man but he didn't just decide oh, sure I'll just go in and I'll record it in the studio and there you go and give it to Boher no he travelled to Rwanda to record it and he got young people in Rwanda to help him with the backing and all of that so we're going to talk uh, with Tommy about that and he gives us an opportunity to talk about the great work of Boher and I know here in Cork a lot of people down through the years have supported the work of Boher by sending Sending out uh, animals, and it's an amazing charity. And uh, that's actually as a, if if you are in a mind to give a charity Christmas gift. I love those charity Christmas gifts. I know Boher do it, Gertha do it, Trocra do it um, as well. Where you give a virtual gift, where you can buy. Over the years, I've bought. Um, chickens and hens I've bought beehives I've bought school books for children in Africa and you just get a little gift certificate and you can give it to somebody it's a very sweet Christmas gift to give as well if you if you want to give uh, some charity presents uh, this year so we'll, we'll take a listen to that song a little bit later on and then it is Friday so that means Mark Malone will go to the movies for us and take a look at uh, what's happening uh, in the world of cinema. That and more between now and one today and your thoughts, comments, welcomes throughout the morning. This is the Court Today replay on C103.
on Black Friday. Good morning, Patricia. I'm planning to buy online, uh, but I use a top-up credit card, so I only spend what I have. I can only spend what's on the card. That's a great way as well to protect yourself from fraud. Those top-up credit cards are a really good idea if you're buying, particularly on sites that maybe you haven't used before or that you're a bit wary of, even though you should never go near a site that you're a bit uh, wary of. Uh, But Mike says, in the run-up to Christmas, I certainly will be buying local, uh, says uh, Mike. Uh, Well done on that. Uh, Dennis in Carrick Tool says, beware of all this Black Friday stuff, though, and all of the bargains that you can buy. Because Dennis says, I called into a store in September. I wanted to check out a dash cam and take a look at them. Then I heard the news story that we actually were running here about the dash cams and you might be able to get discount from your insurance. So I said to myself, I'll wait until Black Friday. I'm bound to get a bargain on a dash cam, says uh, Dennis. So when he went in in September to look at the dash cams, that he saw a dash cam that he was interested in for €69 Euro in September. Two weeks ago, that very same dash cam was gone up to €79 Euro, and he checked it out yesterday evening in a store, at the same store, which was packed because of Black Friday and the dash cam was €89. Where is the saving in that? Now, what you need to do is you need to go back in today and see what are they selling it for for Black Friday. They're probably back down to 69 which was the same price it was in September. Listen, the one thing I will always say, there will be exaggerated offers and exaggerated savings you do have to be very very careful but I think for a lot of people like what Dennis did there who've done their research they will know when they're getting a genuine bargain or not because Maria in North Cork said she was out and about uh, yesterday looking at prices and she was thinking of you know getting prepared for Black Friday she also noticed uh, some items are more expensive this week than they were last week so you do you have to be really really careful of the so-called offers. Kathleen in Ovens is on about the same issue. She went into a big retail store as they need a new TV and a few other items. Um, She actually would have spent more than a few months ago as they were more expensive. However, on the TV, I did save €300. So for Black Friday, not everything goes down, but it did for the uh, TV. Okay, the toaster she was looking for a toaster and it was actually more expensive than it was a few months ago. OK, yeah, just once you're aware of that, once you're absolutely aware of that, uh, you'll be fine. You, you, And remember, it's only a bargain if you absolutely need it. You know, for somebody who genuinely needs a TV, it's probably a good day to go out and buy. But if you don't need a TV and you're only buying it because the offer to replace a good TV Is that really a saving? That's what you have to think about as well. We got a really nice email that I want to bring to you. This is a follow-up to a bit of investigation that we were doing about the horse and riders sculpture that had been on the roundabout in Annabella in Mallow and it's gone now, must be the bones of two years, is it at this stage, that they removed the sculpture because there was uh, work going on on the roundabout in Annabella and then when they put the new roundabout in place due to EU rules and regulations and health and safety and all that they weren't allowed to put the horse and riders sculpture back up in the roundabout because now it's too high to meet new uh, regulations so it had to go to they had to decide where they were going to uh, put it. So over the months since the sculpture was taken down we were getting calls in from people saying what's happened to the sculpture what are they doing with it and where are they putting where are they going to put it and the people of Mallow and people who passed through Mallow had fallen in love with this sculpture and were bemoaning the fact that it was gone and where was it going to be. So we were told at the time when we got on to Cork County Council to say what are you doing with the sculpture We, we were told they are sending it back 
to the gentleman who did the original sculpture and they want to get it cleaned because it hadn't been cleaned in the 20 odd years that it's been on the roundabout. So the sculpture was going to clean it and then the sculpture was going to hang on to it for at least a year because he was using it as part of an exhibition he was doing of his works. He was saying, OK, that's fine. The sculpture is nice and safe. Back, back with the sculpture. So time has moved on and there's still no sign of the sculpture coming back. And then we were getting calls in to say, Patricia, did you know that that, that sculpture never went back to the sculpture to be uh, cleaned, that it's sitting in some, we, we got a photograph, a kind of a blurry photograph saying that it was sitting in some council yard and it had just been left there and that nothing was happened happened to it and it had never been cleaned. And we were trying to, we're still trying to find out what was going on and the location was the next one. Where are they going to put it? And there was loads of suggestions as to where they could put it and every now and again when it had come up on this programme we'd have listeners suggesting put it here, put it there. You know, lots of people were saying put it out at the race course but then people were saying no that's wrong because if it's out in the race course it's got nothing to do with horse racing it was to do with horses and riders meeting at the crossroads of Mallow it wasn't to do with horse racing in any way and also it belongs to the public it's you know it's a piece of artwork that belongs to everyone it doesn't belong to anyone in particular it belongs to all of us uh, collectively so it should be in a place where everyone will be able to appreciate and see it not just people who go out uh, racing so we decided we would track down the sculpture and a lovely gentleman by the name of Michael Quain and ask him go straight to the horse's mouth see what I did there and ask him what was happening with the sculpture so we emailed him and we got an email back from him that says where we outlined was it true that the horse and rider sculpture was going back to you to be cleaned and you were going to hang on to it for a year uh, to take it away as part of the exhibition and we could, the reply back we got those were the plans some time ago for me to take the sculpture clean it and exhibit it those plans though have been superseded now and the current state of affairs as far as been communicated to me is that a site along the Mallow Cork Roadway near to the original site on the roundabout has been approved by the council. Cleaning of the sculpture is still desired and yet to be done and then site preparation, foundation etc needs to be commenced. But the short answer is that the sculpture will be reinstated within my guess 500 metres of the original site. And then Michael goes on to say it is indeed heartening for me to know that a local bond and a sense of ownership has been formed for this work uh, in the 22 years since it was first sighted at the Annabella Roundabout, the crossroads of Munster. Uh, and kind best wishes for Michael. Isn't that really nice? Now, now we're going to have to get on to the council to say, where is this site that has been approved? Have we definitely approved the site? And we need a timeline. A timeline now. I mean, do they now need to get the sculpture back to Michael? How long will Michael take to clean it? And then how long is it going to take for the preparatory work on the site and the foundation? So we'll see if we can get any dates or anything back from the council on that. But our thanks to Michael Quinn, the wonderful sculpture for the horse and uh, riders at peace. 1850 John Paul, taking your calls, you can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Parents have been warned to check age restrictions on computer games after new research found a third of eight year old boys were playing over 18 games with violent and sexual imagery, which is in itself a scary thought. The research was con- conducted by Zico. They're an Irish ed tech company 
company and they are a leader in internet safety for children. Joining me from Zico is Joe Kenny, who is the founder of the company. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. You're welcome to the programme. Thank the, you. Are these games clearly identified as only for over 18 youth? So there would be, uh, on the games, there would be a rating system. So there's a standard called PEGI, which is Pan-European Games, uh, standard for marking. the. So it's Pan-European Games Info. So it's standard for marking games similar to cinema ratings. And how graphic are some of them? I think they vary. I, I think the kind of the message that we're trying to get out of Zico is to create awareness for parents to empower them to make informed decisions about the content that they potentially would buy for young people. Um, and I think really the trick, so our mission is to create a world where young people can safely benefit from the internet and technology. And really there's two ways for us to do that. It's, it's about creating awareness and giving people actual insights. And really the awareness is, I suppose, through the statistics or the evidence. So this is a survey that was carried out in primary schools from September to November this year. So it's right up to date. Um, there were over just close on 7,000 primary school children surveyed and over 3,000 of them were boys. That's a, um, that's a big survey. And and talk us through what you discovered. Well, we found that 33% of second-class boys uh, self-reported that they're playing over 18 games and that goes up to 60% of sixth-class boys. Now, that's three times higher than for girls in primary schools. So when we kind of that would be, I suppose, considered high numbers. And really what we're trying to say to people is create awareness. So we know, we would visit hundreds of schools across Ireland every year. And anecdotally, what we would hear from parents is that they wouldn't be aware of the content that mm. would be in some of these games. So it, I, they, they sometimes think it's like the games that they perhaps play themselves. So things like Pac-Man and Space Invaders, but... The Very different. Is very different, and you see, and the thing is, I mean, the, you know, the, it's pretty the eight-year-old little boys. God Almighty, uh, kids about to make their first holy communion in, in second class. The, the parents wouldn't allow them to sit down and watch an over eighteen movie. No, and I suppose it's there seems to be it seems to be kind of a contradiction, maybe in relation that you would uh, to your point. So you wouldn't see an eight-year-old at an over eighteen's movie in the cinema. Yeah, but yet it just seems to be different for games, and really, it's. To me, it's all just content, right? So, you know, the movies, movies is content that's delivered to children. TV is content. YouTube is content. Games is content. So it's the same thing, really. And obviously today is Black Friday. Um, yeah. So your your research is, is spot on, the timing uh, of it, because you'll have people going online and buying these games and parents just need to be aware about what they're buying. Yeah, I think totally. And really, I think it kind of talks to a bigger picture, really, where, you know, if the issue is that people don't know what their young people are doing online or they don't know what they're doing in relation to games or the internet or social media, the real trick for parents is really around open conversations. So they may not know, for example, what games their boys are playing or they may not know what social networks their boys or girls are on but by engaging in open conversations and trying to maintain open relationships, which is a challenge with, you know, people. So the challenge of life is relationships and um, to maintain positive relationships with open conversations. Parents can engage with their young people. So parents are there. Have When we go to parents talks, parents 
self-report that their children know more about them than the internet. So I wouldn't necessarily agree with that. I, I think, or we think in Zico, that parents have the maturity to make informed decisions. Um, and it's not really about the technical knowledge, whereas their children don't have the maturity to make informed decisions. Absolutely. Even if they do have technical knowledge. So in Zika, we don't believe it's this internet or technology is a technical problem. We believe it's a human behavior problem. So we approach it from a psychological perspective. So we have a cyber psychologist that works with us. And it's really trying to drive different behaviors. So really the key to all these digital challenges is really open communication. Yeah, and simply sitting with your children when they're playing one of these games um, and obviously you're monitoring them what they're playing and get a conversation going. Totally, yeah, totally. And then it's, try, and then it, it's trying to do that in, in, in a non-judgmental or in a, in a non-defensive way. So really the, the opportunity or the objective there would be is to um, use those challenges as learning opportunities because everybody's trying to figure it out. Mm. So and things happen, right? So that's okay. But the worst situation I think that we see in Zico is where young people are isolated in their own home. So they break the rules in inverted commas. So, for example, they might be on the internet when they're not meant to be on the internet. They potentially are doing something where they're in danger or they're putting somebody else in danger. So, for example, a child could be in their bedroom. They've hacked the Wi-Fi router from next door they're not meant to be on the internet they could be bullying somebody or they could be being bullied yeah. they're in a place that's a traditional sanctuary which is their home and their mum and dad are downstairs and they think that actually you know my child is safe upstairs but really they're they're in the worst situation because they're in danger or they're in a bad situation and they can't talk to their their parents parent. or their guardians or the people who love them like and that to me is like I think it's a bit sad and it's a bit of a tragedy so I can't, you know, so really it's for, for us at Zico, it's around creating awareness um, for parents and teachers, giving people actual insights, which in this case is parents could go onto that website, which is pan-European games information or uh, esrb.org, which is the entertainment software uh, ratings board. And what they do is you can get a quick synopsis of all these games. Okay. But... And, 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 and children are going online at, at a younger age now, aren't they, Joe, than ever before? Yeah, well, we survey down to first class, so the average age is dropping to 6.3 that they're going online, you know, starting online. But like anecdotally, we would know that young people will be going online when they're two, three years old. So now you see it, if you're out and about, you'll see a child swiping across on, on mammy or daddy's um, a phone. And the amount of time that our young people are spending online, does that need to be looked at? Well, yeah. So, interestingly, in, in primary schools, it's fifteen percent um, of of that survey reported that they were on between one and three hours um, during weekdays, and that go and at the weekends, pardon me, it's sixteen percent are self-reporting that they're on for greater than five hours per day at the weekend, and so like greater than five hours per day at the weekend is excessive. That's but I, 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 yeah, and I think really the point I kind of think about all these. It's a bit like chocolate. You know, I like chocolate, but too much chocolate isn't good for me and too little chocolate isn't good for me either because I like it. So it needs to be a balance and the internet is the same. So too much internet or technology isn't good. And equally, too little internet or technology, I would argue, isn't good either. 
because the internet and technology is a hugely beneficial resource for young people. So we can use it in an educational context. It's an integral part of their lives. They form relationships through the internet. They can, uh, we, we can find information basically on anything. So it's really about understanding what the risks are and reducing the risks and understanding the positives and extenuating the positives. Yeah, someone is making the point. Uh, parents need to stop using the internet as a babysitting tool uh, and a tool just to keep the kids quiet. Which is, which has it does happen, unfortunately, as well. Go to your room and play, stay on the, uh, go on the PlayStation. Okay, all right, we leave it there, Joe. Listen, thank you for Great. that, and and well done. It's, it's fascinating research uh, that you've conducted, and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. Thanks. That is uh, Joe Kenny uh, of Zico, who are an Irish ed tech uh, company, uh, trying to make the world a safer place for our children. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. On Black Friday, that we are talking about, and my point about trying to shop local and how important it is to try to shop local and keep money uh, in your local economy. Uh, somebody is making the point that no name on this thing but, uh, Patricia I love to shop local uh, and I love to go to craft fairs which are, are wonderful and that's a great way of, of putting money into a local economy as well but says this texter I needed paint recently I went into my local shop to take a look at the paint and for the tin the 5 litre tin of paint that I was looking for it was 27 euro I got it in B&K for 18 euro you really can't compare that's a 9 euro that's a third of a, a third cheaper yeah listen I did I made that point I'm not saying uh, um, that uh, you, you buy every single item locally because obviously the local shops can't always compete with the bigger the bigger stores but where 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 they can and do compete then I'm saying make sure to put the money into the local economy and if you could we just could swap one of our Christmas present items to a local retailer everybody will benefit. We've been receiving some calls in from residents and businesses in the Ballinhasic area of West Cork, annoyed about water outages in the area. Local councillor Gillian Coughlin joins me uh, to discuss what's going on. Uh, good morning to you Gillian. Good morning Patricia. Okay, what's happening in Ballinhasic and how long has the problems been there? In Ballinhasic Patricia, uh, for the 14th time this year a water main has burst leaving businesses and residents without water. Um, 50 people are employed in the village of Ballinhasig and on um, Tuesday morning, again, once again, that village was found uh, without water. Three o'clock in the morning, the pipe burst and um, people, you know, found that they had no water. It took a, t- a while for Irish Water to respond. Um, residents and businesses noted to me that it was nearly midday before work was undertaken and it was six or seven o'clock in the evening before the water was restored. And then, all through that time, the road was closed, diversions were in place, um, traffic, heavy traffic, heavy vehicles, using roads that were unsuitable um, to them. And again, you know, as you know, Patricia, these things happen, water mains burst, burst the frequency of this problem in mm-hmm. Van that really has people annoyed. Um, you know, businesses, there's a restaurant, there's a shop, there are uh, two bars, um, and there's a, a food production company there as well, a food preparation company, and they need water. It's a basic requirement for them. Um, and again, you know, it's the frequency, 14 times this that's year. A, that's a lot. Now, that is a lot. Home. That is yeah. a lot. I mean, you know, a burst pipe happening, you know, once every so often, you kind of put up with it. If it's happening once a year, even you nearly put up with it, but 14 times yeah. in one year, they have very, obviously, have very antiquated pipes. 
Well, that water um, into Ballinhasic is being pumped from Inishannon, uh, okay. Patricia. And um, in Ballygarvan, they have had these problems as well. And the solution there has been to bring, they've brought water from the Lee into Ballygarvan, so there's an alternative source of water. Um, now, I'm not sure if that could be, you know, installed in Ballinhasic as well. It seems that it might be the solution. But realistically, if they're going to close the, the road 14 times in one year just to repair an antiquated pipe, surely it would make much more strategic sense to plan to place a new water main down that road, close the road for whatever amount of time needs it needs to be taken, and to ensure that the um, water and sanitation in Balanhasic can be secured. And Balanhasic is a growing area, Patricia. There are the planning permission there for an estate of new houses um, just outside the village. And, you know, there are new one-off houses coming up, all, springing up all over the village as well. So if we're going to strategically plan for the future and for people to live and to work in rural Ireland, if we can't have basic amenities like water, you know, that you can rely on, this, it's a very sad uh, outlook for the future, really. I mean, it's, you know, it's very troublesome for residents to wake up in the morning and, and discover that you have no water in your house. I mean, that that's just annoying and, and whatever, but you'll get on with it. But I mean, look, businesses that you're talking about, I mean, I'm assuming business was lost on some of those days. Absolutely. So I called into the businesses on the day in question. Um, so they had, passing traffic was, Closed. There was no passing traffic. It had been diverted. Um, those residents who were, or those visitors who were in the restaurant, in particular on that lunchtime, uh, they were fewer than normal. Those who were there, they could not receive drinking water, free drinking, you know, a glass of glass free of drinking water, water yeah. with their yes, with their meal. So that you know, that was obviously annoying for them. Also, people have budgeted for their lunch, so they had to buy water. And in very, in fairness to the uh, restaurateur, she was providing um, drinks at, at a discount you know, in acknowledgement of the problems with the water. But again, she was taking a hit. Yeah, she gets, she's losing there, out, yeah. A yeah. second hit, you know. And again, for the 14th time, she had sent staff home. And um, so they would now be drawing, you know, from the social welfare system because of a, a day's last work. And, you know, the system is just simply unacceptable. In that and respect. has there been any talks at council level of a new water main for Ballinhasic? That you were aware we're, of. We're, we're actually just at Municipal District here in Kinsale this morning, so it's very timely, this telephone call. And all of the councillors, all of my colleagues in the Bandon Kinsale Municipal District are extremely concerned about this issue. We have suspended standing orders and we're just discussing it in the council chamber. And um, we have, you know, the, we're unanimous in that there needs to be accountability from Irish Water on this. Um, we need to be, we find as councillors that there is no consultation as regards a strategic plan for water in the locality. And the structures need to be in place whereby Irish water is accountable. We receive, all of us have received, you know, emails saying basically we're looking at this, we're reviewing this process, but we have no nobody to account to us um, telling us what the strategic plan is or how they see a way to solving this issue. Um, as I say, 14 times in one year is not good unacceptable. Enough. Did, I, unacceptable. did I hear somewhere that local people are getting so frustrated that they've even come up with the idea of fundraising to pay for it themselves? Well, on the, on the, um, on the afternoon in question, the, the restaurateur that I was speaking to was so frustrated that she said she'd even raise money. You know, whatever needed to be done. They themselves have installed a, uh, a particular unit that, you know, will, will provide... Um, 
water for washing up and that sort of thing that's at their own expense but you know that that's not good enough again they could not provide their customers with drinking water and they and shouldn't be they shouldn't there's no business in Ireland should be forced to have to do that uh, on, the, on the chance that you're going to wake up and have no water on a given day you know they certainly pay their not. taxes the same as everybody else absolutely and I suppose again you know uh, Patricia it does come back you know to the funding of water in this country and Perhaps it's something that we need to, we need to look at. If, if the budgets aren't there for, um, for for these basic pieces of infrastructure, perhaps we have to look again at, at what you know what we are spending our money on. And um, you know, basics. We have to get back to basics and make sure that residents and businesses can depend on the very minimum of a, a clean water supply. Um, and it's ironic that in Ballinhasig heretofore, I've been trying to get the water out of the village. You know, there are houses down the, down along the village there that had been flooded very frequently. So it's ironic when I was talking to the same people saying, today now, Julian, we're on to you because we've no water. The last time we were on to was because we were flooded and we're trying to keep the floods at bay. But it's, it's just basic infrastructure uh, and water main. You know, when we had very little money back in the 1940s and 50s, Patricia, this infrastructure was installed. Houses were built. Why can we not do it now when there is a lot more money you know, to be spent and a lot more money to go around. Yeah. Um, where's the, that, where's you know, the money going? Money spin, a lot on spin and talk and on presentation rather than on delivery. OK. All right, I'll let you get back to that meeting. I appreciate you taking time out for us, uh, Gillian. Thank you for thank that. Thank you, Patricia. And um, it's Gillian Coughlin. And you couldn't help but have sympathies for people living in Ballinhassing and for the business community. God help them 14 times to have had major water burst pipes uh, this year. Simply, simply not uh, good enough. 1850 There's a really sad story that's, uh, that's doing the rounds on the papers today. You've probably seen it of this Kilkenny couple, the elderly couple who were found dead uh, and when the news first broke my instant my, it was instantly thinking oh my god you know has something awful had they been murdered had something dreadful happened had there been some kind of a family row then of course as the news came out it turns out it looks like it hasn't been confirmed yet but it looks like it is uh, carbon monoxide uh, poisoning just so so sad for this uh, elderly couple in Kilkenny and uh, for their family where well, we've been contacted by a local um, woman who said we could have had a similar story here only for her carbon monoxide alarm going off and uh, she's going to talk to us after news at uh, 11 o'clock uh, today. Uh, we will also be talking about organised begging on our city streets and advice if you are going online for Black Friday. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking in the last hour about young children going on the internet and giving that word of warning out for that survey that's come out that's showing a third of eight-year-olds are actually playing games which are aimed at over-18s. They are, many of them have violent content and some of them even have sexual imagery and they were designed, when those games were designed, they were designed for adults, they were never designed for children. And yet here we're having this research showing that one in three eight-year-olds are playing very graphic over 18 computer games. That then led to the whole discussion about what parents need to do and I thought Joe Kenny of Zico, I thought his point about, you know, using that excuse oh I don't understand the internet is not good enough, you need to engage with your children. You also need to be the parent I think and you need to be in charge. Uh, Maura by text says, uh, morning Patricia I was in a family member's house recently. Her seven year old stormed into the room shouting, who turned off my Wi-Fi? Maura says, I was shocked. And then the mammy was making excuses to the child as to why the Wi-Fi uh, was down. Now Maura says, I don't blame the child 
child. It is not the child's uh, fault. Also, if you're out in restaurants, you will see and hear parents say, give the phone to whoever it is to keep he or she uh, quiet. The internet starts with uh, Peppa Pig with very, very young children. Yeah, because part of Zico's research was showing that children at a younger age now are going on, on online. I mean, they work with primary school children, but they're finding that when they go in and talk and they really only start working with the children sort of first class up, but when they start to talk to the younger kids in junior infants and senior infants, they're discovering that they all have had access to the internet and they all go online. Um, so they are going online at an early rate and that absolutely is down to parents. It is down to uh, parents and we've all been in situations like that where you do anything to keep uh, a child quiet but then if you're overdoing it and if you're giving them access to the internet too much you can't then fault and blame the child for why a seven-year-old can storm into a room while there's a visitor in there screaming, you know, who turned off my Wi-Fi? And, and I imagine the mammy must have been embarrassed and everything. I mean, you would you would be mortified, wouldn't you, if you had a family member, someone come visiting and, and the child comes in and starts to have a go uh, at you. Thanks for your text, Maura, to 0862103103. Now, there's a story that you probably heard in the news yesterday. It's covered in all of the papers today of a couple found dead in their home uh, following what now is suspected carbon monoxide oxide uh, poisoning. Their neighbours have described them as lovely and friendly. They are pensioners. Michael Hurley was 83 and his partner Mary, 79. They were found by family members. What a shock for the family members in their home on the outskirts of Kilkenny City on Wednesday evening. Now, Gardaí obviously have launched an investigation, but the, the circumstances surrounding their deaths do not appear to be suspicious and it's now believed to be from carbon monoxide uh, poisoning. Nicola has contacted uh, us over a situation. We could have been having a similar story uh, here in uh, North Cork. Um, Nicola joins me. Uh, Good morning to you, Nicola. Good morning. You were at home last night. Tell us what happened. Yeah, um, like I I was at home on my own for a couple of hours before my husband came home from work. But we have um, a beautiful big stove, which we light every night. It heats the radiators and everything for us. Um, didn't think anything of it really so just before he came home I opened the doors of it a little bit you know for, it's nice to see the flames isn't it the yeah gorgeous but you still like to see the flames um, but then we didn't think really anything of it so after a while closed the doors up a bit but you know like not not all the way and we just watched the news watched the very sad story of the couple in Kilkenny and um, I'd say maybe within about half an hour, our own alarm started going off. So, uh, first of all, we thought it was a smoke alarm. <coughs> Excuse me, but then realised it, no, it wasn't a smoke alarm. It was actually the carbon monoxide one. Um, so, your you, immediate reaction is, oh, it's just the batteries. Yeah. So, you know, we started trying to switch it off, you know, thinking it was the batteries, but there was no way this alarm was going to go off. Um, so, we, we thought at that stage, right, we need to do something. This is the real thing. Um, so we opened all the doors and all the windows, and I'd say it took us about five, ten minutes before we could actually switch it back off again. At this point, the fire was starting to go out anyway, um, and we, you know, we made sure the doors on the stove were properly and everything. So, you know, like as, as far as I'm concerned, we had a very lucky escape last night because if that alarm hadn't been there, we wouldn't have been alerted to any possible danger. And of course, as as we're always told, carbon monoxide, colourless and odourless, so you could see yeah. nothing. And you could smell nothing. 
No, 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 nothing at all. And I mean, the, the funny thing is, a few weeks ago, you know, we'd done a similar thing, but we've kind of closed off the chimney a little bit more, and we we kind of opened the doors last, oh, maybe maybe three, four weeks ago, and it was very smoky, and we we could actually see it. Now, what you need to understand is a smoke alarm isn't a carbon monoxide mm-hmm. alarm. Do you know what I mean? They're two very um, different things. And yeah, so there was nothing to see. There was nothing to smell. Um, the only warning that we had was the alarm. So I'm just so grateful that you know Michael had had the presence of mind to fit the alarm, and that the batteries and everything were still in you know in good good working order. When did you install that carbon monoxide alarm, and can well, you remember why? Um, I would imagine Michael Michael will have heard a story about it. Like I I was actually teaching in England up until a couple of years ago. So I've you know my, Michael's been here for I suppose eleven eleven twelve years. I was backwards and forwards constantly until two years ago. So it's been in, you know, I would say it's been in maybe six, seven years, maybe maybe more than that. Um, you are supposed to check them regularly. They do start to kind of leave a little bit as the batteries are going. I'm just looking at mine now, and I was trying to find out what the make of it was, you know, before I came on, on, on yeah. air, but I couldn't really read it. Um, but what I can see is it says the whole unit should be replaced before 2019. So, yeah, you know, you're obviously, you know, you have to keep a check on them. I think they last for 10 years. I'm sure there's a 10-year yeah, thing yeah, and so it will be so, marked yeah, that, on that it. That would probably be about right, yeah. So that, yeah he probably and the battery be. lasts that long. It's not like yeah. the old-fashioned smoke alarms where you keep checking the batteries in yeah. and taking the battery uh, in and out. But these carbon monoxide alarms save lives and they have absolutely saved you, you, and your and your husband's life last night. Oh yeah, yeah. I've, I've, abso- I've absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, and I think you know the worrying thing for me is, and the reason why you know, like I kind of sent the text to John Paul was, people presume it's gas. People presume it. Do you know what I mean? They presume it's everything else. They don't they? Don't think that the coal fire that they might have had for you know however many years. Like we all grew up with coal fires and stuff like that. You don't really expect anything from that. You, yeah, you, you take precautions, but you don't think it's ever going to happen to you. Yeah, so it's and there are a, it's so many people nowadays who have stoves. You know, what I, mean? I mean, the first thing I did this morning was um, send out messenger to you know to all my family and say, you know, like, if you've not got one of these, get one. If you have got one, get it checked. And you know, like you, you just it brings it home to you, really, I suppose. And it's Black Friday today. There'll be loads of offers well, on. You're bound to get a yeah. good offer on a carbon monoxide uh, alarm. Yeah. Buy an early Christmas present for yourself or for uh, particularly for elderly people uh, who may not think about that they need one of these alarms. They do and go and install it for them, put it into their homes uh, and we'll all sleep better in our beds knowing that our loved ones have and that we all have one of these carbon monoxide um, mm-hmm. a- alarms. Yeah, and and to remember that it isn't it isn't just you know like it isn't just gas it isn't you know like, I mean I presume most people's oil burners are outside anyway but that if you've got one of those stoves like number one make sure your chimneys your chimneys been cleaned your flue's been cleaned keep the doors closed because that's really how they're in you know I mean really it was stupidity on my part last night as well that could have caused this um, you know like make sure that you the doors are closed make sure it's being used the way it's meant to be used yeah. Yeah, so it's just a warning, really. For okay, everybody. all right. Well, well done, and thank you for sharing the story with us. Because I think it's the one thing when we heard about the story in Kilkenny, it's when when these sad stories, you know, happen. It will it alerts people to it. But I mean, what what you've done now has alerted people, and hopefully people will listen to you today, Nicola, and we'll go out and buy one of these carbon monoxide yeah, alarms. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Stay safe and have a good Christmas. Yeah, thank you. God bless. Take care. Bye bye. 1850 333103. Have you a carbon monoxide alarm in your house? If not, why not? 
get one uh, please on shopping locally that we're trying to encourage people to do uh, today it isn't all about going online even though we will be offering advice for those that will be going online but try to shop local here's somebody who says hi Patricia I love to shop local but one thing I hate is bad manners I went recently to buy an outfit in a local shop I'd seen uh, the outfit on Facebook and I decided yeah I'll go along and take a look talk about rude there was a man alone behind the counter when I was in browsing and he didn't even lift his head then a woman joined him and they were chatting away and then I had to ask a question so I went over and asked a question about sizing I actually felt they were miffed I seemed to be interrupting them so I ended up leaving and I ordered from another company online it was delivered the next day by my friendly postman so it's not all about money they should they people should be nice that costs nothing yep yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But you did the right thing. I mean, if you're in a shop and you feel you're not being treated right, then do the right thing. Leave, you know, leave. Actually, what you should have done, you should have, as you walked out the door, you should have said to them, I was going to purchase. I'm really interested in that outfit, but I'm now going to go online uh, to purchase. And the reason I'm leaving is I'm not satisfied with the service that you were giving me. Because you can't, because, and, and you will also remember the shops where you go into where people are really nice. I mean, there's nothing better that going in than you go Go into a shop where you have been really, really uh, well looked after. I mean, I love, I have to say, when I browse, I like to browse. You know, it's somebody coming over and saying, do you need anything? No, I'm fine. I'm OK. Thank you. Leave me alone sort of thing. And, and I don't mind somebody coming over and asking, but leave me alone. If I say leave me alone, leave me alone. And then I'll browse. But it's nice to know that there's an interaction there if I need, as in your case, I need to check on the size of something that I like to be able to go back to the counter and and ask. But you're right. I mean, if you're if you are not satisfied with the custom and the way you're being treated somewhere, then, you know, Talk with your wallet. Don't spend any money in that particular store, which is exactly what you did. John, this is, I don't know where this point is coming from. It's on a completely different issue, which we absolutely welcome all. If there's an issue you want raised on the programme, feel free to contact us. John says, any non-nationals that are convicted of serious crime in this country, example, murder, rape, robbery with violence, drug crimes, etc., should be deported upon completion of their sentence. We don't need to import criminals. We have enough of our own here, says uh, John. And I'm sure, John, a lot of people will agree with you on that. But the flip side of that is if we decided to go down that route and every country in the world decided to go down that route that if you go into another country to live and work or if you just go to another country to get involved in criminality and once you are convicted once you've served your time you should be deported as soon as you leave the jail and completion of your prison sentence straight to the airport straight to the port straight to the port and you're deported is the flip of that John when any Irish person abroad gets involved in criminality or is involved in serious crime would we then have to accept them back into our country we will export some criminals but will we be importing our own back in just putting it out there. 1850 333 103. C103 Jobs. A part time sales assistant is required for Knights Spa Express. That's in Mallow. Registered nurse is required for a residential home in Middleton. 
Philip Walsh Refrigeration Electrical they have a vacancy for an apprenticed electrical refrigeration technician and a competent person is required to assist with the operation of a minibus taxi service in Cork City. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. C103, the River Lee and the Evening Echo bring you the Cork City Sports Athletics Award. Every month, a panel of sporting experts will give recognition to an outstanding Cork athlete. This month's award goes to the Leavale Junior Men, Ryan O'Leary, Wyman Shiva Kumar, Colin Doyle and Conor Morey, who performed exceptionally well at the European Junior Clubs Cup in Portugal. The Cork City Sports Athletics Award with the River Lee and the Evening Echo and C103. Okay, and some reaction to Nicola and uh, her story about the carbon monoxide uh, alarm, thankfully, going off last night and that we wouldn't be today uh, reporting from the North Cork area, similar to that awful story that's coming out of Kilkenny. Lister says, our carbon monoxide alarm went off about three years ago. We'd only just bought our house. So we got the stove checked and fitted and the expert that done all the work said that the most dangerous time to open the doors of the stove is when the fire is just dying out and about to go out that's when the carbon monoxide will start to fill the room and that's exactly what Nicola did it was just before they went to bed she decided to open up the stove to take a look at the flames and all of that and the fire was dying down so that's exactly what your expert is saying is exactly what happened to uh, Nicola last night and someone else says Hi Patricia how are you? I'm fine Listening to your item on carbon monoxide I had a similar experience last year twice the alarm went off I have a solid fuel cooker and what just happened to get what we reckon happened was we got a couple of bags of very dirty coal it caused under the plate to block with the soot that was created from this very dirty coal thankfully the alarm did go off so please it is crucial that everybody has one of the alarms get the message out to people make sure you have a carbon monoxide uh, alarm. Now, this week we mentioned that Gardaí in Cork have deployed additional resources to target suspected organised begging in the city following what many is saying is a visible increase in the activity on the streets recently. Cork City Councillor Kenneth Flynn has described it as mafia-controlled begging and uh, Ken joins me. Good morning to you, Ken. Good morning, Patricia. Thank uh, you for calling. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Describe the level of organisation behind this begging. Well, Patricia, last Monday night we spent six hours on the street, myself and uh, my friend, uh, on the Patrick Street, Gerald Griffin Street, or from Gerald Griffin Street down to Patrick Street. And uh, we came across three different um, organised begging units which were, uh, were collected by a by an English registration van and shifts were changed. In particular, as you're getting into the city centre, it gets an awful lot worse um, in vacant doorways, etc. Now, we kind of had eradicated this uh, going back maybe three or four months where we highlighted it on, on programmes with ourselves and, you know, people stopped giving to these uh, organised beggars. Well, the problem that we seem to have again at the moment is that it's coming up to Christmas. There seems to be shifts uh, changing again. There's one gentleman, as I understand, with an iPad underneath a duvet in Titan Town. Um, you have you have people arriving uh, doing two to three hour shifts. Uh, so, uh, so, so this English van. This English van pulls up, and there's people in the back of the van. So one lot three get out. 
well, and the other and the other lot get in. And then so when I finish problem. my shift, I get back into the van and I'm taken away that's, somewhere. That, that's pretty much it. You're moved on to another site, or else you're moved, or else you're 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 off work. For you're done for the day. Of hours. You're done for the day. Um, this is being organised by. Uh, this is organised begging. The same people, from what I understand, from speaking to Gardaí, are the same people that are uh, human trafficking, that are you, uh, putting people into prostitution, uh, putting people into forced labour and forced begging as well. And I suppose programmes like yourself, why we're highlighting it so much, is we're asking people not to give any money. Um, if you are going to donate, please, there's plenty of decent court charities out there that are looking after our homeless services at the moment, but please do not be conned by people who are begging on the streets, probably through no fault of their own, to be honest with you, Patricia, the situation seems to be that they're handing over the vast majority of what they're begging to the gentleman that's driving the van. Oh, we're talking in the main about people from the Roma community. We're talking Roma community, we're talking, we're, we're, you know, that seems to be Eastern European Roma community, you know. It's hard to say whether they're um, Romanian or not. Um, I think the last time I spoke to you, there was a number of them from the Romanian community. But they are, look, these people are being trafficked uh, and they are being forced into begging uh, to survive. They are being moved around uh, from city to city, from town to town. And uh, the Guardian have prosecuted a number of the cases. I think actually what we've seen here, and it's, it shows the indication of how well organized this, or, this organization actually is in the sense that they're going into the courts, the fines are being paid immediately and they're back out on the street begging again. Yeah, because the uh, fines the fines are just get, get paid. Yeah, fines are paid almost immediately and they're released immediately. So the, uh, the message has to go out to the general public. We have to stop making are, money for these guys, stop giving well, money to these people. Court people are extremely generous and extremely decent. I mean, you know, you know that from running different campaigns yourself on your show, how good people are to give and how good people are to donate. But I'm asking people, please do not give money to this organised criminal organisation that is forcing people out onto the street to beg. I'm asking people not to do that. If you are going to make a donation this year, in particular coming up to Christmas, please think of one of our own Cork charities or Simon Community or somewhere like that, where actually it will actually get to people that are genuine cases. But the people who are begging, if they are being trafficked and if they are being yes. forced into begging, yes. Yes. do they not need help? Do they? How do we get they, them they out do. of that situation? And, and in fairness, in fairness, the Gardaí are doing a great job in trying to repatriate, repatriate people home. It's extremely difficult and sensitive because you're dealing with people that are frightened, don't speak the language a lot of the time. You're dealing with people that are intimidated, that have been bullied, harassed, harangued into this sort of thing that has been promised a, uh, a better life in Western Europe and has been forced into this situation, and they are very, very frightened. There are people that are working in the Gardaí, that are working trying to get people home, trying to get people back to their families, uh, all that sort of stuff. It is it is going on, but it's a very, very slow uh, process to, to do that and help people like that. What effect is the begging having on the in the city, on the traders? Are they losing out because of it? Well, uh, of course, of course. It doesn't look nice. Look. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. No matter what city you go to, when you see people thinking on the street, it doesn't look nice. It, it doesn't send out a good image for your city, uh, whether you're a trader or not, uh, you know, or a visitor. It, does, it doesn't send out a good, a good image. But look, the traders have, have a very difficult time uh, with this car ban. Uh, I think that was a bad move on Cork City Council, and I, I keep on saying it. Uh, I keep on thinking that it's the wrong decision. Um, it's been a very, very tough time for the traders. But this on top of it, of course, of course, it sends out a negative uh, image for our city. Do we have a large Roma community in Cork? We have a large community coming in and out of the city on a regular basis. Um, we have, well, look, we have settled uh, Roma people as well who are uh, and settled Romanian people that are, in, that, are in, that are in the country for a long time. But we do have people that are coming in and coming out of different cities. It's hard, it's hard to know whether they're actually living in Cork or not, not whether, yeah. you know, because they're being, they're being moved so often. I remember speaking with you earlier in the year when you wrote to the Romanian ambassador. Did you get it? Right, yeah. And, and, and I, I remember at the time it was pointed out that not everyone in the Roma community, and we know that, are from uh, Romania, are Romanian. But what, what came back from the ambassador? Well, actually, in fairness, the ambassador, she came back and she, she rang me. She, I, I visited with the ambassador as well. Uh, she did come back to me on a number, on a number of cases. Uh, she has uh, been in contact with Gardaí. And she she has made her embassy available. There isn't a fund for repatriating people home, but she has been very good with those that have stepped forward and said, yes, I'm being trafficked, yes, I'm being used in prostitution, I'm being used for illegal begging. And they, they have been very good at, at reuniting these people with their families. Because I don't know if you're watching that RTE programme, Taken Down. I know it's, I know it's more to do with um, the refugees in the direct provision centres. Um, it's not just the, the direct provision centres. But that's very much targeting this organised prostitution. Yeah. Look, it, it, it is a problem that we have, not only in Cork, not only in Ireland, but the UK as well. And what's happening is that there's a lot of trafficking going on between the UK and Ireland. And they seem to be coming, in, they seem to be coming into the UK and Ireland. Uh, and being moved around between the two islands very rapidly and very quickly. God, it's shocking to think it's going on in our own, in our own city. And then yeah. the other thing that's going on in our own city that I saw you got involved with, um, Ken, was the clean-up in a public toilet of the drug paraphernalia that was left behind. That was utterly frightening to see. Well, it is, and it seems to be a regular uh, carry-on now in the city. Um, look, drugs are here to stay. You know, I'd love to say that we're going to fix this problem, that we're going to solve it out. But, you know, it is part of the life of being in a city now. You know, heroin has become a huge problem in in Cork. Uh, and we do have a situation where we have the public toilets being used. And that was actually a baby changing table oh. uh, that was left with all this uh, paraphernalia. And that was a public toilet. It's happening in, in cafes. I, I've had cafe owners uh, on to me as well, where they've had situations where in Paul Street and, uh, and all that direction. We're, Cork City Council is taking a proactive approach to it and where we have put in bins in certain areas in certain parks uh, where we do know that there's that there's heroin being used and there, there's a specialised bin for it. We have to be protective of our own staff as well that are in our, our cleansing department. Um, but we are going to put in this uh, 
black lighting it's called okay. and it's what they use it's what they use in nightclubs um, you, you'll be probably more familiar with it now with a nightclub scene than I would <laughs> but um uh, I'm well past that day, Ken, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But, um, no, you know, it's, it's like kind of a black light. They use it in the toilets and nightclubs, so, you know, it makes it impossible to find a vein and things like that, you know. Look, we are going to have to be realistic and, and look at the idea of putting in injection clinics where people are safe, where people can, can you know, shoot up, um, but can be, can be, you know, also, if they, if they overdose, they can be revived and things like that. We are going to have to seriously sit down and come up with a plan to, to combat this. And yeah, because other, other countries but. are doing that and um, and I'm, I'm aware of one actually in um, in a part of Melbourne in, in Australia um, and it's made a huge difference in cleaning up the streets. Yeah, yeah, it has. Nobody it has likes no the idea of an injection room in their, in their nobody, area. That's the nobody, problem you're nobody, going to have. That's, that's going to be a huge problem, finding the right area. Um, and it does come with its own its own problems as well because it draws in undesirables into a neighbourhood into a certain certain area. Um, it can lead to an increase of of muggings, etc. So we have to be very very careful about what we do with that. But I, I think that realistically, I think we have to look at it, and I think we have to maybe make a tough decision on it because it's a problem that ain't going away, as you say. No, it's, it's not, not going away. All right, listen, Ken, we appreciate you taking time out to talk to us. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. That is uh, Cork City Councillor Ken O'Flynn on the organised begging. So please, the one way we can stop it is to stop giving money uh, to these people. But you just worry about the, uh, about if they're trafficked into this country, the kind of conditions that they're living in. Are they also forced into prostitution? It's just uh, glad to hear that the Gardaí are are doing their best. I mean, I do think that programme that I mentioned, they've taken down on, on our is uh, it's quite a tough watch. I don't know how many people are, are are following it at the moment. Started out with the murder of a young girl coming out of a direct provision centre, and of course now as the as the program has gone on, it's it's showing these women who have been trafficked into this country. They're not all staying in direct provision uh, centres, but they are ending up uh, in forced prostitution, and it's it's. I, I find it a difficult watch because I know it's it's from the same makers of Love Hate and I actually was one of the ones who didn't watch Love Hate because those kind of violent programmes I find very difficult to watch. But anyway, I started watching uh, Taken Down but I, it is, as I say, I think it's difficult uh, to watch at times but it's just, it's watching that programme and thinking that that's uh, going on in our country that, you know, and here you've got Ken saying it's not just going on in our country, it's going on, on in, in our city. I hate to think of any young girl being put in a situation like that. So they, they you know, the Gardaí can try and get on top of that and you get to the guys who are organising it. They're the ones at fault and try to get help in to those young girls and get them across because they initially came to this country being promised all kinds of different things and wonderful work and it's a great country and you're going to end up you know living a great life and of course nothing could be further from the truth when they arrive here and then they've got their passports and they can't uh, they can't get away they can't get away from them okay 1850 on young people using and playing the over 18 games the story that we did earlier showing that a third of eight-year-olds have played very graphic, both sexually graphic and very, very violent graphics. They're all over 18 computer games and a third of eight-year-olds have admitted to playing one of these games. Here's, and, and it goes back to parents. It goes back to parents knowing what their children are doing and knowing the type of games that they're, that they're playing. Well, listen to this. 
mum says, Patricia, I'm a, I am very vigilant with my 11-year-old son and what games he plays on his PlayStation. And sometimes he does want to get games that his pals are playing. Some of these games are marked as over 16 or indeed, as you're talking about, over 18. It is a big debate every time with them. And I can imagine the arguments going on in the house. Every other child in the class has it. Why can't I play it? Anyway, back to the text. If he is ever in their houses over, you know, over at friends on a play date or on an overnight, there's absolutely no supervision as to what games they are playing. The parents just don't seem to care. Some of the lads have older brothers, so the games are lying around the house. Some of his pals are 10 and more barely 11. Then again, some of these parents are constantly on their own phones and are Facebook addicts, so they seem to be too busy to notice. What lies ahead, though? And that would be my big worry. We really don't know if you expose very young people to that type of violent content and that type of sexually explicit themes. You just, you don't, well, there are some studies coming out. We don't know what the long-term damage is going to be. What are those, what are that generation, what are they going to grow up to be? There has been some research. Remember the last time we carried something about this on the programme was that fortnight programme that everyone seems to be addicted to. Anybody playing, it seems to get very addicted. And there had been... There had been some research done which was showing some children were getting very violent from playing the game too long and children kind of personality, you know, children that had been very quiet, children were suddenly lashing out at other siblings or lashing out at parents and it was all stemming back to playing this Fortnite game. So I think they're, they're, they're starting to do research, they're starting to do studies and it's worrying what's coming out uh, from it. But you are right. What lies ahead? What would that, when in 10, in 10 years, is, you know, it's a very short period of time, those 10 and 11 year old boys and actually the, the research showed it as boys more than girls are accessing the over 18 uh, games. But, you know, in 10 very short years, they are going to be the young adults of the future. They'll be 20 and 21 year olds and just, you know, what way will their minds be affected by uh, all of this? I worry about it too. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Expected today to go online in their thousands to take advantage of Black Friday sales and the added bonus of a strong euro against the sterling. However, consumers have been warned they need to be careful. Joining me with advice from the Consumers Association of Ireland uh, is Dermot Jewell. Good morning to you, Dermot. Good morning, Patricia. Nice to talk to you. Uh, uh, nice to talk to you. Happy Black Friday and all of that. <laughs> um, we've been getting some causing because we've been discussing it earlier with some people right. questioning the discounts. Can some of the discounts be exaggerated and do you have to be aware of that? You do because um, it's be- this has become an annual event. I mean, it's based on the, the, the whole US Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but in, in, in Europe, it's been taken up as predominantly, I suppose, a way for retail to do a number of things. One is to move um, older stock pre-Christmas um, and most importantly to, to, to increase footfall, to get you in the store. Um, and also at the same time, um, the, the, the move into Cyber Monday has all kind of melted into one. So the, the, the push is that whether you're buying over the counter or online, um, yes, it's a movement of stock. There is nothing to to say that the price you're being offered today may not have been the, the reduced price that was offered back in February. But, you know, it's, unless you're tracking it, 
it's it's really on the day. Do you see it as a bargain? Is it saving you money today? Can you afford it? And if so, then okay. Just make sure that all of the other elements are right. In other words, that your consumer rights are protected. Online, your rights are different if you're buying in the EU, Patricia, as I'm sure you've been discussing, because you have a cooling off period. Now, explain this cooling off period. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go backwards. If you're buying over the counter, you don't have a cooling off period. In other words, you buy something, you bring it home and you open it. And if there's anything wrong with it, if it's damaged or it's broken, you can bring it back for a refund or a repair, whatever you like. But if there's nothing wrong with it, you just keep it. You can't just bring it back. You can't. I can't go back and say I changed my mind. I don't like yeah, it anymore. Yeah, you can't okay. change your mind. That's it. But if you buy online, you can change your mind when you receive the item. If it's not what you thought it was, it might you might not like. It might be smaller or larger or different or not what you expected. Um, you can literally send it back um, because you have a fourteen day period of time um, to decide. No, I don't like it. Now you can't use it or wear it or whatever, but you can send it back um, at your own cost. Um, if there's something wrong with it, you send it back and they will... Um, if you send it back at your own cost, um, when they receive it at the other end, they will return um, your money to you. If you send it back and it's damaged, they will do both, send you back the cost of you returning it and the money you paid. What about goods that fail to arrive? If goods fail to arrive, again, this is one of the things to look out for, particularly buying online. All of the provisions of what will happen should be there online in front of you on the website before you buy. So they should say what will happen if you don't receive it in X amount of days, get in touch with us and what we'll do is we'll um, we'll, we'll check through here, we'll see where it went and if that fails after a couple of days, we'll initiate a refund to you. All, you know, all of that is, is, is very important. And key as well to the dates are if you are going to buy today, make certain um, that the date for delivery is within the time that you're expecting it. In other words, if you want it before Christmas, um, depending upon where you're buying it, and depending on the rate that you're going to pay for for postage, I mean, it could be either express postage or normal, to use the old word, snail mail, it may come too late. So you've got to see what you're you're actually paying Yeah, you could end up online buying an item from China that could take six weeks to get here and Christmas will be done and dusted. This is it. And the interesting thing which an awful lot of consumers are trying to forget about is that when you are buying outside of the EU, whether it be China, Australia, America, for example, the rules are different. There's not a cooling off period. Um, This only applies within the EU. And most importantly, if you're buying from outside of the EU, two things happen. One, if if the item is valued over 22 euro, it can and will attract VAT on this side of the water. And two, if it's valued over 150 um, euro, it will attract duty and VAT. And to explain, let's just, there's, there's a perfect example on the Revue's website. Let's say you buy something for 170, they have a pair of designer jeans, 173 euro. By the time you have completed that transaction, which is the handling, the transport, the insurance, the customer's duty at 12%, VAT on all of that at 23%, and a handling fee for delivery and collecting it at the door. Um, 
that 173 ends up at 266. <laughs> so you've got to be careful. Yeah, yeah you, might think you, you're get, you might think you're getting a bargain, but, but yeah. you're not. What about if buying from an auction site? Have you any rights there? Um, you don't really, because buying from an auction site, is, it's, it's that, that unusually is kind of sold as seen um, because you're, 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 you know, you you need to be careful about how it's described and what it's described as is is good. You also need to be very careful that you're dealing with a site that's um, legitimate, um, and again that they will do everything they say on the on the on the tin. It's one of the biggest problems at this time of year because Patricia, this has become such a big deal. Um, every rogue in the world has been preparing for this. It's like Christmas to them. Um, so you've got to be careful that you're on a, uh, an official site, you're on a secure site. The classic one about checking if you're on a secure site is every time you look at, uh, every, every time you go on a site, the, the access to it will start with, with the letters HTTP. Mm. And what you need to find is an S after that. So it's HTTPS. And the S dictates that it's a secure site, that, that it has a license that's up to date, and that whatever information you're giving is secure and your payment detail particularly um, is secure, and that they're registered. In other words, they have an address that you can actually find them at. Um, rather than just an email address. That's um, a good tip. I, I never realised that. And, and you're also looking out for the little, the lock sign. The lock which sign, will be yeah. But HTTP, you must have an S after it. I, yeah. I, I always thought it was just the HTTP. I'm going to look for the S now every time on every website. Yeah, That's a good piece of advice. It's important, yeah. Um, because because it, fraud will be, will be oh, a huge issue well, across this weekend. It will, it yeah. will, it will. And that's why, um, just another point, if you can at all, um, don't well when I say don't if you can at all do pay using a credit card yeah. or using PayPal because they're they're protected structures um, and I'll, I'll explain if, in a minute but if you use a debit card you see as it's exactly the same as here at home a debit card is the equivalent of using cash you pay it it comes out of your account now instantly if you use a credit card um, it's not coming out of your account now. A third party is promising to pay it for you in a month or 56 days' time. So you you kind of indirectly end up with a kind of a cooling off period because if something happens, you can get in touch with the credit card company and say to them, I need that payment stopped. And keep an eye on your account then for any fraudulent activity or anything. Yeah. Even though yeah. I, I, and I shared this on air a few weeks ago, I woke to a text message from uh, my bank and, and I contacted them and my card had somewhere been compromised and there was somebody in New York parking a car uh, using my credit card and, and, and going off and had a cup of coffee uh, with it. But they copped very quickly and it got stopped but it's the whole inconvenience the card has to be cancelled uh, and all that. Yeah. But you've just got to be really, really careful. You really, really do. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just made a good point. I mean, they are absolutely fantastic the way they monitor these. I yeah. mean, that's happened to me and I know quite a number of other consumers um, where they're quite quickly on saying, this just looks odd. Is this you? Um, and they're fantastic at that. But you can't, you know, they, they must be overwhelmed at this time. So yeah. again, you're right. You just need to be, you know, if in all honesty, if it seems too good to be true, it, it is. is. It is. Okay. You know? And one yeah. final piece before I let you go. Uh, yeah. It's something I have spoken to you in the past about with the run-up to Christmas, gift cards and giving gift vouchers. Are you still as strong in, in your views on that? Yeah, still. I the mean, expiry honesty, dates. Yeah, expiry dates. It's, it's, everybody's trying to change it, but it hasn't changed yet. Um, they have expiry dates and the gift cards, they don't, they don't, 
they don't suggest a, a, an expiry date, but the bottom line is after 12 months, um, an amount usually in the region of between 250 and €3 Euro will deduct every month from that um, as an admin charge. So if you get them, use them. Um, and if they're giving dates um, of three and six months, um, don't buy them. Yeah, but use them as if you get them as a, as a gift. Use, use them as them. use them as quickly as possible. Yeah, uh, because we've also, of course, had that awful situation where people buy a gift card in good faith, and the company knows they're not going to be around in the new year. Yeah, this uh. is it, and those days are not entirely gone either. So you're right to flag it, Patricia, because these things still do happen. Business businesses are struggling, and interestingly, it, it, it needs to be said because of the high uptake in online shopping, a lot of small businesses really are struggling and we are inclined to forget that they do need a bit of support. Yeah, you know? absolutely. We've been saying that all morning, so you're ah, singing from the same, same hymn sheet. Dermot, listen, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme. Pleasure. Take Good care. morning to you. Bye-bye. That is uh, Dermot Jewell of the Consumer Association of Ireland just offering words of advice, but be very careful. There's a nice little tip that he's given us on any website you're on, the H. HTTPS uh, and it, it always starts with the HTTP I don't know if I've noticed the S every time and I'm just I'm looking directly at a site I've got open here in front of me and the HTTPS is there and of course just before it is the little lock sign which uh, so shows as well that it is a secure site but the S indicates S actually standing for secure I never knew that don't you learn something new every day which is terrific thanks to Dermot for that okay we're going to take a break we have news at 12 on the way we're going to hear about a charity CD in the next hour we're going to go to the movies with Mark and of course top of the list in the next hour a chance for one family listening to win a family pass to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman on Thursday the 13th of December plus we're throwing in a 50 euro voucher for Son of a Bun Panther time coming up in the next hour let's take a break though and head to the newsroom Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Happy birthday to Philippa Farley in Kilavollen. Mike and Debbie Farley, uh, who are the in-laws in South Africa, emailed to tell us it was Philippa's birthday today and that even though they're in South Africa, they're thinking of Philippa in Kilavollen and they want to wish her a very happy birthday. So happy birthday, Philippa Farley. Okay, we are going to, oh, we're going to go pantomime. Yeah, it's pantomime time. Oh, yes, it is and all that. And we all this week have been giving away a family pass to go along to the Everyman on the night of Thursday, the 13th of December, kicking it off with a VIP reception at six, followed by the pantomime and also a 50 euro voucher for Son of a Bun on McCurtain Street. Today's question, please. Hello, boys and girls. We're Germaline and Chlorine. Cinderella's identical twin sisters. Who shall go to Prince Charming's ball this Christmas? Go on, have a guess. She lives under the sea. Has a beautiful voice. But dreams of living on land. Now, who are Germalina and Chlorine thinking about today? If you know the answer, call at 10 to get through to John Paul, 1850-333-103 and call at 10. We'll pick up the family pass, which entitles four people to go along on the night of December 13th. That VIP reception is always a great bit of fun. And we've done this for the last number of years with the Everyman. And, uh, and I've spoken to people uh, before who've won tickets and have contacted us afterwards to say just what a fun 
fun night it was and everybody loves going to the panto and it's all part of Christmas and all of that and Cork's favourite traditional pantomime Cinderella opens in the everyone by the way on the 1st of December but our tickets our special night is the 13th of December do you want to hear the question again? Hello boys and girls we're Germaline and Chlorine Cinderella's identical twin sisters who shall go to Prince Charming's ball this Christmas Go on, have a guess. She lives under the sea. Has a beautiful voice. But dreams of living on land. Oh, so who are they talking about? Which panto character lives under the sea? Beautiful voice and dreams of living on land. Get dialing on that. 1850-333-103. And while we're waiting for our winner, I can take a quick look and uh, bring you some of your text messages and calls coming into the programme uh, today. We were talking about illegal begging and the members of the Roma community that are in not just Cork, they seem to be in other parts of Ireland as well. Um, and they're in, they seem to be coming in and out of the country. But anyway, uh, by text, morning Patricia, those people coming from different countries to the United Kingdom and to Ireland, in the main, it's all down to mobile phones. Uh, years ago, it would be very hard to contact people in other countries. Now it's so easy. They land here, they get on well and they phone a friend back home on their mobile mobile phone saying, come on over, it's great, lots of money, better life uh, here. Uh, I also, this is from Heidi who says, P.S. I also heard there are people taking to boats to cross from France to the United Kingdom this morning. I heard that earlier on the BBC. God, Theresa May and uh, the... UK government won't be happy uh, to hear that. But but yeah, I, I accept mobile phone usage is making the world a smaller place and certainly there will be people who will come to this country and will end up having a good life and will encourage uh, others to follow suit. But I think with the organised begging, what we're talking about is people being trafficked into this country. That's what I worry about. I worry about the real dark seedy side to this organised begging and is, is there organised prostitution tied up on it as well? You just you worry about them, the mafia gang, the people who are controlling it. They're the ones we need to catch. We really need to stop them, stop those guys. Uh, and one way, of course, is to make sure for certainly with the begging we can help is for people to stop handing money over. And if we stop handing money over, there won't, they, there won't be a business there anymore and they'll stop trafficking people in to put them out onto the streets to force them to force them to beg and it would be the same with the prostitution and people being trafficked into this country if we could get people to stop using prostitutes but what is it known as the oldest profession is that ever going to uh, stop I don't I don't think so and thanks to, thank you to Nicola who's been back on to us Nicola joined us earlier uh, to timely warning just about what happened in her house last night with the carbon monoxide alarm uh, going off and you know she's kind of sitting at home today thinking how lucky herself and her husband are that they had a carbon monoxide alarm because the very sharp shrill alarm goes off and until you get the carbon monoxide out of the house by opening all the doors and windows the alarm keeps going. I mean they really are a fantastic thing uh, to have in in your house and by Nicola sharing her story and being thankful that herself and her husband are alive uh, today the hope is 
that we will encourage other people who don't have a carbon monoxide alarm to please go out and buy a carbon monoxide uh, alarm. When Nicola's gone away and said, I did a little bit of homework for you. Um, Nicola obviously is in the North Cork uh, area. She is in uh, Fidown North. Uh, And so obviously she's looking locally for smoke alarms. Uh, She said Buckley Brothers in Mallow, who are a small local hardware shop. They are. They're a lovely little hardware store. They have a carbon monoxide alarm in stock, less than 30 euro. They also do a combined smoke and a carbon monoxide because they're two different alarms and you can get them for around €35. She also sent me on a link to the co-op superstores in Mallow which are another great uh, electrical shop with wonderful staff, can I say. They're always so friendly. And they have a carbon monoxide alarm in stock uh, for just under €30 Euro as well. So they seem to be around that price. And Nicola suggests maybe people could let you know who has them. And you could put up a list of suppliers on your Facebook page. Yeah, I'm willing to do that if people want to tell us where they're buying carbon monoxide alarms. But the whole thing is, is to get the message out there to get people to please Uh, consider buying a carbon monoxide alarm if you don't have one to consider getting one this weekend and it might be a nice idea as an early Christmas present for a loved one particularly elderly relatives elderly your parents your grandparents if they don't have a carbon monoxide alarm buy one and install it for them would you at the same time please Hi Patricia what's your opinion on this I think it's a scam text message saying you've just received a 100 euro gift card to redeem it you need to click on and then it's a website and I've just spotted on the website that you need to click on this HTTP exactly what Dermot Jewell was talking about there's no S if there isn't an S it's not a secure site so there's a nice telling one straight away that is a scam just delete that text message uh, immediately and someone was on earlier saying how disappointed and saddened they were to see what happened in Dublin with the World War One the wonderful statue to commemorate the World War One and the fact it was vandalised with red paint. What goes through somebody's mind that they could do that, said a texter earlier. I, I could not believe when I heard this story yesterday. It's the haunting soldier sculpture, which has been on display in St Stephen's Green in Dublin for the last month. Now, I haven't seen it in person, but I certainly have seen lots of photographs of it either on the paper there's been a lot online about it I mean particularly this you know with this month with us commemorating a hundred years since the ending of the First World War and you know we've been thinking of Irish men and boys God so many who died and who went to war in the First World War were only boys but you know it's a time to reflect and remember remember the massacre of so many young men from Ireland, from England, from France, from Germany, you know, right across Europe. It was just an atrocious war. And there has been a very sombre and respectful reflection, I think, on the 100th anniversary of the ending of World War One, And then this wonderful great huge big sculpture was put up in St Stephen's Green there for a month. It was actually brought into this country by a Dublin based solicitor by the name of Sabina Purcell who came across it and she had discovered that she had a family connection to soldiers who had served in the Great World War and she had come across this sculpture somewhere in England and she got on to the owners and the the, the owners of the sculpture and the person who put it together and said is there any way that we could get that over to Ireland to have it here on display for the month of November to, you know, to remember the Irish and to remember all those who fell during the First World War and all those whose lives were lost and also all those who came back and came back so damaged and that's what the, the haunting soldier actually is, is depicting 
the soldiers that returned, the broken men that came back and many of them never recovered from what they witnessed on the, the battlefields of World War One. And she managed to persuade the owners who said, yeah, we'd love to we'd love to get it over. Uh, so they did. And they it obviously came in parts and had to be put together because the sculpture is made up of scraps of metal. It includes horseshoes, spanners, car jacks and brace discs. Huge, huge, big uh, sculpture. And it's been erected since Stephen's Green. It's been there until the 4th of November. It's actually this weekend is the last weekend of it. It's due to be dismantled on Monday and returned uh, home. And someone uh, the night before last decided to go in and vandalise it with a tin of red paint. So Dubliners woke up yesterday morning to the wonderful statue that they've been getting used to passing for the last month. And everyone, but I mean, I couldn't find anyone online or listening to radio yesterday who would say, yeah, it was the right thing to do. We never should have had that sculpture there. And they were right to throw the tin of paint on it. It's, it's just shocking. And I have to say well done to the council workers who went out yesterday using solvents, brushes and power washes and they scrubbed off most of the glass paint. Of course, it's red glass paint so it won't come away with just water. So most of it has been removed. I heard of somebody who got up close to it yesterday following the cleaning to say that they did a really good job. There's bits of it though. They'll never get all of it uh, on. But it is, it's truly shocking. It is, we can hang our heads in shame that that happened on, on our so- soil even though I know that the that lady Sabina Purcell got on to the owners and they said look you know don't worry it wasn't your fault and you know they they, they will be sending people over on Monday now to take it down and um, uh, bring it back to England and I don't know where it's going to then go on permanent display or whether the plan is like the fact that it travelled over here to us whether it's going to travel elsewhere I'm not sure and I know tomorrow or on Sunday for sort of the last official day that it's on display they're now trying to organise and make the last day of it very very special occasion indeed but yeah I 100% agree shame shame absolute shame on, on whoever did that. 1850 There is, by the way, there is a guard investigation and, and hopefully they, the CCTV will pick up whoever it was or I don't know if there was more than one, one involved or was it just one lunatic. Um, congratulations, uh, Peggy Slattery and Carroll. Peggy, you shall go to the ball. You're going to the pantomime on to Cinderella Thursday, 13th of December. And don't forget to turn up for your VIP reception at six o'clock. Congratulations to you, Peggy Slattery in Lascarol. The answer is Ariel. The Little Mermaid. Ariel, the Little Mermaid. Well done. Peggy Slattery in Lascar. Congratulations to all of our winners. And once again, a huge thank you to everybody at the Everyman for uh, for this particular competition this week. We certainly have had great fun with it. And if you want to check out more about Cork's favourite traditional pantomime, uh, Cinderella, then go online everymancork.com The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie Castle Magna players they're performing their play Big Maggie it's on tonight tomorrow night Saturday and again on Sunday it's a fundraiser for the local senior citizens club show starts at 8 each night tickets at 10 and they're available at the door The Cork Family Carers are holding a regional forum meeting for family carers in the Clayton Hotel on Lapsky in uh, Cork. 
all family carers and relevant people are welcome to attend. Clyder Rovers will hold their weekly lotto draw, Derry Murphy's Bar, Railway Bar tonight. 12,500 euro is the jackpot and Jerry Murphy has tickets. The Q Centre in Mallow is now taking applications for its part-time art and craft course, which will start on Tuesday the 15th of January from 10am to 1pm. The course is free to early school leavers and all medical card holders or those receiving social welfare payments. You can contact the Q Centre if you'd like more details, 22 and Carrick Tool Community College will hold their Christmas extravaganza in the community centre tomorrow Saturday between 3 and 6. Carol singing, handmade crafts, raffle and children's entertainment. Admission is free, €5 Euro per child, though to visit Santa Claus and a great afternoon is guaranteed. And a puck father on the roadway in Clondrohid Village will be held on Sunday from midday. All proceeds going to Marymount Hospice. Registration is on at last. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. And someone says Patricia carbon monoxide alarms are available in Aldi for twelve ninety nine. Okay, so there's uh, an even cheaper carbon monoxide uh, alarm. I don't know if they're are they on sale today? Are they still in stock or not? That's worth checking it out. I spoke about the haunting soldier sculpture which has been in St. Stephen's Green for the past month and unfortunately in the early hours of Wednesday morning somebody decided to vandalise it with red gloss uh, paint. Mag said the sculpture of that haunting soldier I saw it at Dorset Steam Fair this year. The workmanship is just amazing uh, says Mags and actually yeah I didn't get to see it in in Stephen's Green in, in Dublin but I did online you know the way you can zoom in on, on a photograph and I couldn't get over the workmanship particularly I mean bearing in mind that this is made out of scrap metal bits of spanners and old car jacks and um, uh, horseshoes are, are using it as well the the detail on his f- face and the expression on his face is incredible I mean it is Considering it's made from scrap metal, it is the face of somebody haunted by what they had seen. And that's what this depicts. The haunting soldier was the, it was the, it's the soldier coming back. One of the, if you could say in inverted commas, lucky ones to survive what they went through during World War One, and you could haunted by it, absolutely haunted by what uh, they saw. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I, all I know is that the the it's been taken down on Monday, and then it's heading back to the United Kingdom. So the fact you saw it at Dorset Steam Fair, they obviously take it around the place in in England. But I'm assuming now, and and I don't know. I mean, I I need to check in. I don't know what the full background uh, to it is. It probably has been there since the start of the 100 years commemoration the 1914-18 war so did it start in 2014 and has it been touring around for the last four years and now that the we've come to the end of the 100 years of commemorations will it now go on permanent I wonder will it, will it go I hope it does find uh, a permanent home somewhere or maybe the plan is is to let it travel around so that as many people as possible can see it but I just uh, hope and uh, pray that what what has happened to it uh, will never ever happen again Okay some more of your texts coming in to us um, Okay let me see what else is in Hi Patricia I want to take the opportunity to congratulate the Farmer's Journal 
on their comprehensive article on the new disadvantaged areas and they have a coloured coded map and it's all online. They list the areas in in and out of disadvantaged area and also they list the criteria that qualifies an area of land as disadvantaged. It is extremely clear and very easy to understand. The department officials could learn a lesson from them as the Farmers Journal have it nailed and have made it very clear. I don't have, I know we get a copy of the Farmers Journal every week but I and every week diligently I put it away on John O'Connor's desk who does our Farmers Programme so I haven't uh, seen it but well done and it's good to acknowledge when there's a good piece of journalism done, done like that and particularly to break it into layman's terms to make it as easy as possible for the farming community what is in the disadvantaged area what is not so there's a uh, point to the Farmers Journal folks if you are a bit confused and you're wondering what's going on with it go to the current edition of the Farmers Journal and Donal was on this is to do with posting Christmas cards and putting money in Christmas cards now can I say at the start of this we're always warned about do not send money in the post we all take the risk every now and again and we all do it but and you, you if you're like me when you do it and then when you get the acknowledgement that it's arrived you can heave a sigh of relief saying thing after that it didn't get lost uh, along the way well Donal wants to raise that issue because he reckons a lot of grandparents it isn't just grandparents though but he, he's speaking on behalf of grandparents he says a lot of grandparents will send money in the post to their grandchildren for Christmas he says he's got to be very careful as he's had now he's had money go missing in the past so he was doing it this week so he decided to register it. He was sending a Christmas card with money in it from, to a different part of the country. It cost him eight euro to register. I don't know how much money was in it. He feels that that was a tad on the expensive side and he reckons even if just for the Christmas period on post might consider reducing the price of registering cards but he says you never should send money because he says whenever he does it goes missing. You can't. It doesn't all the time go missing. I think in all the times I've done it, once I once had uh, it was a birthday card I was sending to uh, someone and there was money in it and it didn't arrive. And it was one, it was one of those kind of funny things that she didn't acknowledge. Listen, it was my sister. I can say it. Um, she didn't acknowledge the card. I thought that's a bit weird. She normally, you know, and I didn't want to say, you know, did you get my my birthday card and then I thought she's taken offence to the fact now I was going through a busy period in my life and I normally would buy her a present but it was a last minute thing and I, I wasn't going to get to see her and I just thought I'll stick some money in the card and sort of put a note in you know have a have a meal out and us, you know something trivial like that and uh, I got it into my head then that she'd taken offence to it because some people do take offence to getting money you know they prefer that you go to the time of picking a present, thinking of them and going out and buying it. So, I, as I say, I got it into my head. And I would easily say it was three months later, we were at some kind of a family event and I just said to her, did I offend you with the birthday card and present? And she said, no, what, what are you talking about? And I said, the fact I said money. And she said, no, she said, <laughs> she said, I knew you were very busy in what was going on in your life. She said, I thought you'd forgotten it was my birthday. And I said, of course I didn't forget it was your birthday. And she said, I said, should I rang you on the day? And she said, and I just thought on the day the card hadn't arrived in, in time when she didn't acknowledge it. So I just, <laughs> so uh, that's the only time money's ever gone missing on me uh, in the post. But I, I tell you what I do 
and I don't I don't regularly send money in the post but every now and again I might or if I put scratch cards or something because if I'm sending a birthday card I always think it's nice if something falls out of the card scratch cards in particular I think are, are, are great so what I've started doing because lesson learned that day that was a great big pink envelope so it was very clear you could see that it was a birthday card never found out what happened to it. so what I now do is I disguise the fact that it is a birthday card and I have a tendency to I always I get the birthday card and then I'll put it into another plain white envelope to make it look almost business-like. And every time I've done that, 100% record, money has never gone missing in the, in, in the post for me. But I go back to the point that I'm post will tell you and the word of advice always is is not to send money in the post. And you were right, uh, Donald, to register it because you've obviously had money go missing before and it's very, very annoying uh, when it happens. But €8 Euro to register a card here in Ireland to go from somewhere in the Cork area to somewhere else in Ireland does seem to me expensive as well. I can't see on post reducing the price because it's at this time of year that they make the most money. This is the first year, by the way, when people go to post uh, their Christmas cards, a stamp. Now, remember they went up during the year. This time last year, the price of a stamp was 70 cents. Do you remember the big jump to a euro? And people were kind of given out, kind of not given out saying, oh for God's sake, it's only an extra 30 cents. What are people complaining about? It's only a euro. And I did say at the time, wait until Christmas comes. If you have a lot of Christmas cards to send it'll be I will be very interested to hear from from and will we start getting complaints in from people when they go to post their Christmas cards are our people already stopping and thinking about the amount of Christmas cards you send will you lower the amount of Christmas cards you send because every card on top of purchasing the card will now be a euro to uh, send and that's just in Ireland it is I'm open to correction I think it's one thirty. is it to post to the United Kingdom or anywhere else in uh, Europe and then more expensive obviously if you're going to the States and more expensive again if you're going to Australia. You know I always think for loved ones living overseas you have to send the Christmas cards. Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without sending uh, cards to them. But will you stop about sending maybe local Christmas cards Christmas cards here in uh, Ireland? Your thoughts are welcome on that and as always another plug when you're buying your Christmas cards make sure they're charity cards. Oh God, I've done loads of appeals today, haven't I? I'm sounding like Mother Teresa. At uh, 1850-333-103, we're going to take a break and we're back talking movies with Mark Malone. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, joins us in studio. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you went along to see Fantastic Beasts at the Movies and on DVD Hotel Artemis. Now, we've got a quick little trailer from the Fantastic Beasts. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that peace destroyed. Dumbledore, you want me to hunt him down? I cannot move against Grindelwald. It has to be you. The time's coming when you're going to have to pick a side. No, I don't do sides. Okay, we're we're back to the world of Harry Potter and all that. Just mm-hmm. for people outside of the norm of Harry Potter, just to explain, these are not Harry Potter movies, they're prequels, isn't it? They're prequels, yeah, but they are part of that world. Yeah, oh yeah, part of the yeah. world, yeah. But it's before Harry Potter was yes, around. Uh, yeah, I think these are based in like the early 20s, uh, okay. around then, yeah. Whereas uh, Harry Potter are in the present day. Yeah, you know. okay. Um, and this is the second one of these? Yeah, this is the second one, yeah. The, yeah the, this is the Fantastic Beast, The Crimes of Grindelwald. So in the first film, um, Eddie Redmayne plays the character of Newt Scamander, who just loves these fantastic beasts, these amazing beasts all over the world, who are endangered. And so basically what he did is 
because in the first film he travelled all over the world capturing them uh, when I say capturing them but giving them a home inside his little suitcase which is a bit like Doctor Who because when you go in the suitcase it's much bigger in the inside than it is in the outside and so that's basically what that film was and then at the very very end of the first film which was this kind of very light kind of gentle kind of sweet kind of um, very joyous kind of very kind of nice entertaining movie. yeah nice movie at the very very end we suddenly see um, Johnny Depp who's playing this character called Grindelwald and we um, get the impression that something nasty is going to happen so this is the film about that it's about his plans to raise pure blood wizards basically it's kind of kind of reference kind of to the nasty nazi party of the, you know and uh, yeah. and so so no muggles must be allowed and no magics they're called no magics are like the american versions of muggles because they have no magic so therefore um so that's what he wants he just wants pure blood wizards so therefore uh, jude law who plays dumbledore or yeah. sexy dumbledore as he's known or dumblefore as he's been known to be re- referenced um is goes to eddie redmayne and says look I can't go against Grindelwald. I can't do that because there's a hint that there was a very personal relationship between the two of them in the past. Even though uh, the Ministry of Magic do come to Jude Law and say, you've got to go. You are the only wizard who is strong enough to go into battle against Grindelwald. Uh, Jude Law says to uh, Newt's commander, no, it's got to be you. You've got to go to Paris and you've got to go after him and you've got to go and fight him. So. And that's what the story is about. Yes, well, kind of. I love. By the way, I love the names. I, she's got such an imagination, doesn't she, J.K. Rowling? I saw a very interesting thing actually. There's a terrific um, YouTube site about this chap who walks around London and he talks to you about uh, you know the history of London and uh, the sites of London, and um, he does notice and he does point out a lot of the Harry Potter kind of uh, referenced kind of place names and names where obviously she got inspiration, she got the inspiration from. Yeah. She would walk around and she go, oh, that sounds like a good name. I'll, I'll use that and that. That's where she got a lot of her inspiration from, and it's fascinating to hear him and look at and and, and yeah. hear him talk about that. Uh, so, so back to back to the so, so back uh, to the film. So is it is it believable? Uh, very different than to the first one. Yeah, in this that. is yeah, and yeah. Uh, in fact, it hasn't been very very well reviewed at all. I mean, some people have called it kind of joyous. It kind of reminds me of the second last of the Harry Potter films, which was kind of leading up to the last film, and yeah. that's what this one kind of reminds me of. It's almost like they've decided, okay, well, we'd put the f- previous film aside because there are beasts in the film, but there aren't that many. Uh, as far as the crimes of Grindelwald what crimes we don't really see him do any crimes he talks a, a good uh, you know uh, story um, and that's part of the problem because you get the impression that they're just leading up to the next film well the thing is, is that I didn't pay to see the next, next film, film I yeah. paid to see I, this, this one, one yeah. you know and apart from maybe the second last and Harry there Potter is a third film. is there oh there will be yeah, yeah okay. and, and uh, you know the thing about the Harry Potter films at least most of them up until the, certainly the first five they did have a start middle and an end yeah and you could actually go and watch them having not watched any of the others Exactly, and, even and, though they were leading yeah, up to the big yeah, battle between, but, but they stood on their own. Exactly, they did, and this one kind of doesn't, and and I and that kind of frustrated me uh, yeah. somewhat, and I was kind of quite disappointed with that. And it is very complicated, and I found that when I started watching the Harry Potter films, with that there were so many characters that I found it very very difficult. I mean, there is a lot of kind of exposition happening here, where the characters are basically trying to explain the plot um, as they're going yeah. along, but you keep getting the impression that they're explaining the plot for the next film. Um, I mean, even though, like I said, there aren't that many beats. Uh, he doesn't really do very much Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. He talks a lot, but he doesn't. He's not particularly evil. And in fact, the three characters from the original film, uh, the last one, Jacob, Tina, uh, Tina and uh, Queenie, 
it's almost like they had to kind of put them in. Well, they were in the first one. We so better put them in. Be there, so yeah. they actually do very little as well. Yeah. And all the time you're leading up to what you think is going to be something really exciting. For example, this is a very, very good example. Somebody at one stage turns to Newt's commander and says, what are you going to do? And he goes, I don't know. I'm just making this up as I go along. Huh? And he goes, I'll think of something. And he storms off. And you go, oh, wow, what's, what's he going to do? And he does nothing. And that's oh. part of the problem with it for me. And I just, it, it, it is pretty joyless and, you know, and dark. And it is a terrible shame. Because then when a beast does arrive, the beasts are almost kind of cartoon-like. And they've got this kind of very kind of almost cartoon-like kind of uh, palette. They're, they're very all bright colours in the middle of all this kind of very dark kind of... They are dark. Uh, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so um, I went with my wife and the teenager. My wife kind of likes Harry Potter. She liked the first film. She didn't particularly like this. She thought it was okay. But I, I read some reviews where, where people said, look, there will be people who will be disappointed. A lot of the critics are disappointed by it. But the the kids and the, the younger adults and adults who love Harry Potter will love this. And so I turned to the teenager afterwards and I said, what did you think of it? And she said she thought it was terrific. Yeah, but she's a mad Harry Potter then, fan. Yeah, and she yeah. actually had to explain to us a lot of the time what was going on. So yeah. it was handy to have her say, who, so who, who is he again and what's yeah. he trying to achieve? Well, father, this is the, uh, what this character is trying to achieve. Yeah. So look, I was never bored by it. There's yeah. always something interesting happening. And is is it is it is it shot? Is it you know because you look at the cinematography? Is it is, does it look good? Oh yeah, there's some amazing CGI yeah. in it. I mean, there really is. You know, there's in fact if, if, there's, if there's too much of anything. But uh, yeah, I look. I wasn't bored. I was entertained by it, but highly disappointed with it. Ah, okay. So that's um, fantastic. Beast market out of ten. I still give it a good six though. Six out of ten. Okay, yeah. and that's do it. And it's doing well in the in the cinemas, isn't it? Because I mean, a lot of the teenagers are heading off to it. Well, all the Harry Potter fans are going to see yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Okay, uh, Hotel Artemis. Yeah, this is kind of... A, do, do you didn't see John Wick, I presume, the, no. uh, the film? No. No, Keanu no. Reeves. No. But in that, yeah, he's a hitman in that. And in that film, there's this hotel that all the hit people can go to. Can go to. Uh, they leave their uh, arms at the door and when they go in, they can relax and take it easy. And the big rule, the main rule is when once you're inside the door, no violence... You know, place to relax. It's a place to relax, and and um, you're safe. You behave, and you behave yourself exactly. Yeah. So, Hotel Artemis is not really a hotel; it's actually a hospital, and it's um, it's set in kind of uh, Los Angeles of about ten years in the future, and okay. um, it's being destroyed by riots because water is being privatized. From here, and um, and so and so there are riots as people you know don't have access to water and cheap water. And also outside, whilst all this is going on outside, we have this um, very very well secured building called Hotel Artemis, which is actually like a, a hospital, and it's run in fact by Jodie Foster, who plays this character oh, called the nurse, and um, and it it's basically a hospital for bad guys. And so basically what she does is she will open her doors to no matter who you are. She doesn't care who you are as long as you pay. And once you get to the front door, you pay first before you're allowed in and you leave your arms behind. And then whilst you're inside, you have to behave. And she's helped out uh, by David Batista in the film, The Big Big Man, who actually plays a character here called Everest, even though he keeps referring to the fact that he's a certified healthcare professional whilst he's beating everybody up, which is really, really quite funny. And so uh, basically what happens is that uh, everything leads up to this kind of one night 
where all of the um, the patients within the hotel at the hospital are all linked to each other in some way. And so it's basically leading up to this kind of battle because in in there you have uh, Jeff Goldblum who is kind of the um, overlord of Los Angeles. He's the meanest, most horrible man uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, you have a um, you have a serial killer from Paris. Uh, you have an, an arms dealer. You have a bunch of uh, guys who are in there after being injured after robbing a bank, and they're all linked in some way. Um, What's the interesting thing about it is that it, it looks and feels like a lot of 80s movies and it's almost like the director who's guy by the name of Drew Pierce has gone back and looked at Blade Runner. It also reminded me of Escape from New York. A couple of John Carpenter films It reminded me of um, of Assault in Precinct 13. A lot of those kind of movies and the okay. soundtrack reminds Did you ever see a film called To Live and Die in LA? Do you remember Wang Chung? Yeah, I do. To I Live do. and Die in yeah. LA. Uh, yeah. you know, that sounds like dance hall days and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the, the soundtrack to that movie is terrific and the soundtrack to and that... And that's very 80s and, and, Yeah, and so I think that's what they were looking at and that's what they would think they were going for. And, um, and I think up to a point they kind of did achieve Pulled it. it. But the first half of the film I actually liked as they were setting up for the big, big violent kind of, you know, battle at the yeah. end. I actually thought the first half of the film was much, much better and and was much more enjoyable rather than when it all, it all kicks off when they then became kind of cliched Jodie Foster good Jodie Foster yeah but um, I found it very difficult to understand what she was saying sometimes because oh. you know she does that whispery kind of thing yeah. and she talks very fast and um, but is good you know she's taken all the makeup off and she's playing quite of an older character uh, the star of the movie is uh, David Batista who is just really yeah, really funny and interesting so look um, yeah okay. it's, it's so, not as good as I would again like I would have hoped it would be but it, it, I would still recommend it okay Hotel Artemis Market out of 10 I'll that one seven. Seven out of ten, okay. And that's on DVD or for streaming. Thank you for that, Mark. Have a lovely week. And we'll chat again next week. Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. We were talking about the cost of posting for registered post. Dan says, recently I got a shock when I sent a letter express delivery, which uh, used to be just slightly more expensive than a normal stamp. I was charged eight euro, says Dan. Be aware of uh, postal rates that have gone quite expensive. Okay, that's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week. My thanks to John, pa- John Paul McNamara for producing the programme. Nick Richard is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you on Monday morning at uh, 10 o'clock on to the Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon. For today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.